Well, this morning, let's begin our Torah study with prayer. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about how Yeshua touched the unclean and he healed them and how you and I can participate in the same kind of ministry. And it's appropriate as we are preparing for Passover that we think about this because as as we get ready for Passover, we want to clean out the chametz, the leaven in our house in our houses. And it's not just a physical cleaning. We want to do a spiritual cleaning. We want to take stock of any chametz that's growing up in us. And we want to clean it out before the Lord and with his help. And so we're dealing with our own house cleaning. It's not just the normal spring cleaning that you might do, but there's a spiritual kind of cleaning that takes place. And each one of us benefits from this. But as well, we're reading in the Torah portion this week, as we did last week, about how um, the unclean in Israel were, were to be handled. We, we read that the spiritually clean people could be affected by contact with spiritual uncleanness. And people were told, be careful, you know, don't handle these carcasses, don't handle these unclean vessels, don't come into contact with these unclean people, because it will make you unclean. But then we read in the Brittacharashah how Yeshua would come in contact with exactly those kinds of unclean people. And when he came in contact with them, something interesting happened. They got clean. So we see that in the New Covenant, spiritual cleansing works in a different direction than it did at Sinai. At Sinai, people were being cautious, but under Messiah's government, you know what? We become bold, we become courageous to go to the unclean and to bring them the good news. We're not afraid of being contaminated by their uncleanness. We see that the Lord wants to work to use us to bring cleansing to them. Now, this will make sense to you when you, when you look around at your life and you ask this question, is there anybody in my life who's got problems with spiritual uncleanliness? Does anybody need a cleaning from the Lord who I care about? And the answer is, yeah, you, I'm sure you know people. I'm sure there are people in our families in that condition. And you know what? We don't want to isolate from them. We don't want to quarantine them. We want to see them healed. Isn't that right? We want to see breakthroughs for them. That's why we want to gather in worship and prayer uh, before Passover. But we also want to understand the dynamic power of Messiah and not only what he does, but what he can do through us. Now, as, as an example of the teachings from the Torah portion this week and last week, I just want to look at, at one short passage from this week's Torah portion, Leviticus 13. You can turn there. You can also uh, use your digital device to connect with Facebook, and you can look at the Beth Israel page on Facebook. You'll see a posting of the scriptures that we're using today and the actual text from the David Stern's Complete Jewish Bible Translation. 
So you can find that on the Beth Israel page. You can find it on Messianic Jewish Teachings page. You can even find it. I shared it on my own personal page just to spread it around and to make it easy for you. But Leviticus 13.45 is where we want to start. It says this, everyone who has the sores of leprosy is to wear torn clothes and unbound hair, cover his upper lip and cry, what does your scripture say? Unclean, unclean. Now he's crying this as a warning to other people. He's not saying to the other people, you are unclean. He's saying, I'm unclean. He's making this announcement, unclean, unclean, so that people would stay away from him. And it says in verse 46, as long as he has sores, he will be unclean. And since he is unclean, he must live in isolation. He must live outside the camp. So this was the means of protecting the community from this specific kind of spiritual leprosy. There, there's a sense that this person is not only suffering, but this person is dangerous to others. And so they're quarantined. They're isolated. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to to read this whole chapter this morning. And we want to see how Yeshua ministered to the unclean. Starting in verse 1, after Yeshua had come down from the hill, large crowds followed him. And then a man afflicted with the spiritual leprosy came. He kneeled down in front of Yeshua and he said, sir, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So do you see what's happening? The leper who's supposed to be in isolation, who's supposed to be calling out, unclean, unclean, stay away from me. He approaches Yeshua and he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Yeshua turned to the Torah portion. He said, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I'm sorry, you've got a dangerous condition. I'm sorry, you're infectious. I'm sorry, you're too much trouble. I'm sorry, you're not good for the ministry because no one's going to be around here if you're here. What did Yeshua actually say? Something very different. He, in fact, he did something different. He reached out his hand and he touched him. And he said, I am willing. Do you see the heart of Yeshua? Not only is he bold, not only is he powerful, he has a heart of compassion. He has care for those who have been marginalized, those who have been pushed away, those who are oppressed, those who are rejected. He says, I'm willing. And then he says this, be cleansed. You know, it's one thing to show emotional empathy and compassion It's another thing to act in a way that makes a difference. It's one thing to say, I know you're hurting. Yeshua could have said that. He could have touched the man and said, I know you're hurting. I know this is hard. He could have left it at that. He could have just been warm. He could have just been affectionate. But he took another step. He said, be cleansed. He recognized, Yeshua recognized that faith was working in this leper. Do you see that? The leper came to him, defied, defied the social rules, defied the the practices 
of Israel. And he came to Yeshua and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, do you think the man wanted to be clean? The leper absolutely wanted to be clean. He brought himself to Yeshua with a purpose, with a singular purpose. This also teaches us that sometimes prayer can be really direct and simple. He doesn't give this long history. He's to the point. He comes up. It's obvious he's a leper. It's obvious he's suffering physically. It's obvious he's suffering spiritually. And he just says, sir, if you're willing, you can make me clean. What a simple declaration of trust and faith. Yeshua reaches out his hand, touched him, and said, I'm willing, be cleansed. Now look at this. And at once he was cleansed from his leprosy. Then Yeshua said to him, see that you tell no one, but as a testimony to the people, go and let the high priest examine you, the priest examine you, and offer the sacrifice that Moses has commanded. So at this point, Yeshua refers back to the, the teachings of Torah and says, now fulfill everything that's called for in Torah regarding the regulations of uh, the leper. But ask yourself this, was the high priest going to heal him? No. And was the offering of the sacrifice going to bring healing to him? No. Was going to Jerusalem going to heal him? How about going to the temple itself? Was that going to bring him healing? No. And the reason is he was already healed. He received his healing from Messiah. It's important to know that according to the prophecies of the scriptures, Messiah would heal the leper. This is so important. So this man, this leper, has some messianic expectation. And he has faith as well that he's expressing to Yeshua. And he's coming to the one who is the Messiah, knowing that Messiah can heal lepers. And he says, if you're willing, you can heal me. And it's not just theology. It's not just doctrinal agreement. It's not just that he's lining himself up with the teachings he heard about. He knows that God can work this way. Now let's keep going. Verse 5, as Yeshua entered Capernaum, Kfarnachem, the village of comfort, a Roman army officer came up and pleaded for help. Sir, my orderly's lying at home, paralyzed and suffering terribly. And Yeshua said, I'm sorry, I only do Jewish things. <laughs> no. Or, you Roman, you've ransacked our country, you are oppressing us. Repent or perish. Could have, didn't. Yeshua says to this Roman army officer, I will go and heal him. The officer answered, sir, I'm unfit to have you come into my home. Rather, if you'll only give the command, my orderly will recover, for I too am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes to my slave, do this, and he does it. On hearing this, 
Yeshua was amazed and said to the people following him, I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such faith. Moreover, I tell you that many will come from the east and from the west to take their places at the feast in the kingdom of heaven with Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. In other words, Yeshua is saying, there are going to be people from other nations, not just Jews, who are going to join in this great celebration. Open up your eyes. Open up your hearts for what God is doing. Verse 12, those born for the kingdom will be thrown outside in the dark where people will wail and grind their teeth. You have to read some other things that Yeshua said about this in order to understand the full measure of this. It's not enough to say, Lord, Lord. Verse 13, then Yeshua said to the officer, go, let it be for you as you have trusted and believed. And his orderly was healed at that very moment. Is that awesome? Verse 14. When you read this chapter, it's important to understand there are some themes here that that unite everything together, or else it'll just appear to be choppy and unrelated. Verse 14. Yeshua went to Kepha's home. Who's Kepha? Peter. What's another of Peter's name? Shimon. Shimon. Kepha. Peter. Three guys, one person. Three names, one guy. Yeshua went to Kepha's home, and there he saw Kepha's mother-in-law sick in bed with a fever, and so he thought, wow, she's got to be infectious. I'm not going in to her. I I want you to notice how Yeshua is dealing with the risks, the dangers of ministering to the unclean and the sick. He's bold. He's relatively uh, unconcerned about appearances or what other people are thinking or feeling. He is going to do the ministry that God's called him to do. He saw Cephas' mother-in-law sick in bed with a fever, and he touched her hand. The fever left her. So, doctors in the room, wouldn't you love to be able to do that? You see some people and you know that the medicine that you have is not what they need at that moment. They need a touch from the Lord. Wouldn't you like to lay hands on those people and just see them healed? He touched her hand, the fever left her, and she got up and began helping him. (laughs) How practical. Now that you feel better, get back to being a Jewish mother and uh, feed us. (laughs) Verse 16. This is one packed day. When evening came, many people held in the power of demons were brought to Yeshua. So what are you doing tonight? I don't know, ministering to demoniacs. How about you? Yeshua expelled the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were ill. And this was done to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He himself took our weaknesses, and he bore our diseases. Down to verse 18. Do you see how 
short and pithy each of these little passages is, you have to think about them because they are so short. You have to fill in the blanks in order to get a good picture, or else you could just run through it, read it quickly, and not take notice of what's happening and what connects all of this together. It's how Yeshua is ministering to the unclean. Verse 18, when Yeshua saw the crowd around him, he gave orders, cross to the other side of the lake. Now, this just made me laugh. Yeshua sees all these people who want ministry, and he says, get me out of here. <laughs> that is actually what was happening. But a Torah teacher approached and said to him, Rabbi, I'll follow you wherever you go, even if you try to cross the lake. I'll meet you on the other side. Yeshua said to him, the foxes have holes, the birds flying about have nests, but the Son of Man has no home of his own. Another of the Talmudim of the disciples said to Yeshua, Sir, first, before we cross over, let me go and bury my father. But Yeshua replied, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Yeshua boarded the boat and his Talmudim followed, and then without warning, a furious storm arose on the lake so that waves were sweeping over the boat. But Yeshua was sleeping. Wow. I used to, I used to think I could sleep anywhere. I'd tell Sandy, oh, if you're tired enough, you could sleep anywhere. The only one sleeping on this boat was Yeshua. Everybody else was in panic. Yeshua was sleeping so the disciples came and they roused him. So you know what that means. They had to shake him to get him awake. He was sleeping so soundly during the storm, peacefully, quietly, probably having sweet dreams. And they come and they rouse him and they said, sir, help, we're about to die. And he said to them, why are you afraid? So little trust you have. And then he got up, he rebuked the winds and the waves, and there was a dead calm. Now, it doesn't say, and then he went back to sleep, but I wouldn't be surprised if he had. <laughs> the men were astounded, and they asked each other, what kind of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? And I, I love this thought, that there are times when we're in the middle of storms, and the Lord is just going to calm those storms. Not every storm that rises up in our lives is something that we just have to get through. Some storms can be calmed. And when you have faith and trust in God, you'll be able to discern those storms that you need to just make your way through and persevere and hold on for dear life through, and those storms that God wants to calm. And I tell you what, don't just try to persevere through a storm when the Lord wants to calm it. Believe him to calm the storm. Pray for him to calm the storm. Verse 28. When Yeshua arrived at the other side of the lake in the Gadarene territory, there came out of the burial caves, there came out of the cemetery caves, two men controlled by demons, so violent that no one dared travel on that road. Get that picture clearly in your mind. 
This is the cemetery region. People are being buried in caves there. And there's a road that goes by that cemetery. And nobody even goes on that road anymore because there are two demoniacs who live in the cemetery caves? Oh, man. And they're so violent, they attack the people who are coming by. So everybody knows, you just don't even go there. Stay away from this neighborhood. What does Yeshua do? He lands there. Do you think that was a mistake in navigation? His GPS wasn't working, the map was faulty. Maybe he just didn't know the local situation. Or maybe he was prepared. I think that's what it was. I think this was his intention. So it's a funny thing, if, if you imagine this, Yeshua sees all these people who want him to minister to them on the other side of the lake. He says, let's get out of here. So they get in the boat thinking, ah, oh, we're going to get a break. Yeshua takes a nap. A storm kicks up. Everybody thinks they're going to die. And then Yeshua calms the storm. Everybody's astounded and amazed. It's like, ah, oh, finally we get a break from all this stuff. They get to the other side, and where do they land? In the Gadarene region, that's, and these two special guys who are known colloquially as the Gadarene demoniacs. And now we find that's who Yeshua wanted to minister to. Do you get it? He left the crowd in order to go minister to some who were so unclean it was unbelievable. They were in a region that was unclean. They were living among the dead. Yeshua goes to, to greet them, and they scream. What do you want with us, son of God? So you know what that means? The demons recognized Yeshua. Honk to the truth. Have you come, let me comment for those listening on podcasts, there's a car honking in the parking lot. <clears throat> what do you want with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? It's like they're saying, this isn't fair. You're early. We're not ready. If that's your car, you could use the clicker to turn it off. Verse 30. Now some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. Remember what we read in Torah last week and this week about the unclean. And pigs are what? Unclean. Which at the very least means they're not meant for food. Do you get that? We can understand that. So a large herd of pigs was feeding and the demons begged Yeshua, if you're going to drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. We want to live in the pigs. <laughs> this is a wild situation. Yeshua has brought his Talmudim on the boat. They think to get a break from the burdens of ministry. And he brings them to like these little golems or something. 
where he's Trixie, watch him. <laughs> and these are violent demons in these men. And you can imagine the disciples. Can we get back on the boat? <laughs> Who is this man? These demons speak up and they say, if you're going to cast us out, can we go into the pigs? And Yeshua says, all right, go. And so they came out and went into the pigs. So you can see that they went from being unclean in in human vessels to being unclean in unclean animals. They, They continued their uncleanness. Now this is what happens. They come out, they went into the pigs, whereupon the entire herd rushed down the hillside into the lake and drowned. <laughs> okay, so now the disciples, you know, they were amazed when the storm was calmed. And now demons come out of these two men, and it's not a one demon, one man assignment. I want you to understand this. There were so many demons in each of these guys that it took a herd of pigs to contain them. And I've heard that pigs are smart, but these pigs commit suicide because of the demons. The demons drive them violently, like they had been driving the people. But if you can see this, and that the the pigs couldn't resist you can have a new sense of compassion for the men who were demonized. That every day they were having to resist the violence of these demons that was being exercised against them. It's not only that these demons caused them to do violence to others, but they caused the men to do violence to one another. To themselves. When you see that the pigs couldn't bear it and were driven off the hillside and, and died, drowned and died, then you understand the power that was at work inside of the men all this time and how much effort it must have taken for them to resist this. The herdsmen of the swine fled. They went off into the town and they told the whole story, including what had happened to the demonized men. Now, there's just one verse left, but I want you to think carefully about this. They reported and gave testimony about what had happened. But I want you to see something. Not every miracle is welcomed. So if your theory of evangelism is this, all it will take is a miracle, and then people will believe. People don't always believe just because there's a miracle. Faith requires trust. 
And the work of God can give birth to openness. But look at the case of the first leper who came to Yeshua. Before he was healed, he believed. Before he even said a word, he was trusting in Yeshua. That's why he came. It's important to be alert when someone has even that small kind of faith that makes them want to do anything to get help. Back to verse 34. Everyone now knows what's just happened. At this, the whole town came out to meet Yeshua, and when they saw him, pause, Imagine they could have said, thank you so much for healing those two guys. We love them. It's so great to see them free. Wow, who are you? They could have said, this is amazing what you've done, what power you have. We know you were sent from God to us. What would you tell us? That could have been their response. Had they welcomed Messiah, but they didn't welcome him. This is what they said. They begged him to leave their district. They saw his ministry as nothing but trouble for them. They counted it a loss and not gain. They didn't rejoice in the deliverance. They didn't rejoice that they got their road back by the cemetery. They didn't rejoice in the way that two men were healed. They simply looked at the pigs who had died and they thought, that's a terrible, terrible thing to happen. Sometimes even when Yeshua does great work, people don't appreciate it. It didn't stop him. Now I can tell you something, that that when you take notice of Yeshua, You'll, you'll see how bold he was and how much courage he had. How he was independent of popular opinion. He did, by that I mean he was not swayed by other people's approval. He did the work of God whether people liked it or didn't like it. He went into the messy world and even the messier world in order to bring help to the unclean the guilty, the rejected, the oppressed, the forlorn, not just to make a verbal proclamation, but to impact them with the good news, to bring about real transformations. And he did this in full view of his disciples while they were in shock at some point, while they were exhausted at another point, He went to people that they would not have gone to in order to teach them to go to those that need help. And to teach them a new attitude about ministering to the unclean. Now, you and I, we're called to be messianic in this way. We're called to be like Messiah, followers of Messiah, to aspire to, to yearn for the same kind of ministries that he demonstrated to us. Now, it's very easy to say, I wouldn't want to do that. I remember praying for people who were being sent to the former Soviet Union as the whole communist regime was was ending, and I would pray, yes, Lord, send him. (laughs) 
I wouldn't say, here I am, send me. Because I thought, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready to do that. I believe in prison ministry. I believe it's one of the most important things that we can possibly do. To visit the prisoners and to bring the good news of Messiah to the prisoners. But I can tell you as one who, who ministers to prisoners and who fellowships with those who do this, it's not an easy ministry. Those of you who have worked in the prisons, who have served professionally with prisoners, you know this. You're not going into the most pleasant of circumstances. It's more like you're going into the region of the Gadarenes. But when you bring good news to those who are imprisoned and they receive it, and when they're transformed before your eyes by the power of Messiah, you know that this is the work of Messiah. This is the work of ministry that he's doing. He's going to the unclean. He's going to the broken. He's going to the rejected. And he gives us power to do the same. Now, you may prefer to minister to people who don't need help. I think most of us do. You see somebody who's doing perfectly well, and you say, yes, Lord, send me to them. But the Lord knows this world is broken and he's looking for people who will help fix it, who will be partners with him in ministering to people who are broken. Not people with high prestige, not people who look good, maybe people who no one else values at all. But I can tell you this, when you do the ministry that God's called you to do, you will have an impact that Yeshua recognizes and he rewards. And there will be a day when he'll say, thank you. Thank you for the way you visited me. Thank you for the way you brought water to me. Thank you for all that you did. And and you'll be saying to yourself, I never did that. And the Lord will say, yes, you did. Because when you did these, when you did that for others, you did it for me. Antonio and I went to a court hearing last week. Uh, for Wayne Doty, who has been convicted of two capital crimes. One, he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. The other, he committed in prison. Uh, He murdered uh, another prisoner and has been given the death sentence for that. Now, since then, since that happened, since he did that, God has gotten hold of him. And so we've been ministering to him. And I remember going with Antonio to see Wayne. And, and I, I knew I had a word from the Lord. And that was that it's not a matter of Wayne thinking messianic thoughts and having messianic theology. And it's not a matter of, of him getting his doctrine and dogma right. He needs to have remorse to repent and to humble himself before God because he will face he will face the righteous king of kings and if he wants to ask for mercy i told him he has to be honest and humble and he has to have remorse and regret for what he's done and real repentance and when when i brought that up to him he was honest he said i don't have any remorse and he explained to us how prisons different and we can't understand it and and the, the dangers and the, the solutions in prison are different than in the normal world. 
But I can tell you this, prison may be different, but the kingdom of God still requires repentance. And so we continue to persevere in, in, in that word, and over time, something happened in him, and he began to change. At this hearing that we were at last week, he was trying to dismiss his court-appointed attorney who was fighting his efforts. Um, Wayne is accepting the death sentence and wants to proceed rather than um, be left in limbo. And the court-appointed attorney doesn't agree, and the, and the principal is against the death sentence, and would, uh, it would not work for him according to the direction that he was giving her. And so he was seeking to dismiss her. It's a strange situation to be in. But near the end of the hearing, each of the attorneys, there was a local prosecutor from Gainesville. There was an assistant attorney general, uh, someone from the attorney general's office who was arguing for, uh, for things to proceed. And then there was the court-appointed attorney who was arguing against. And then there was Wayne who was also arguing for himself, uh, pro se, in this, uh, in this hearing. And so he was the last to speak in this part of the hearing, and he was summarizing the written argument that he had presented to the judge and the, the precedents, the legal precedents he had cited and so forth. And then he just stopped. And everything got quiet, and the spiritual atmosphere began to change. And he said to the judge, I could not ask for a better judge than you. You are fair, and you're just, and you are doing everything carefully, and, and all of this is on me. It's not on you. This is my burden not yours. And then he said that he was telling the court how we had come to him and talked to him about remorse and that he had none at first. But he said that woke up something in him that he didn't know was even alive. And it brought light into a corner of his uh, very being that he did not even think was possible. And he began to repent and to be remorseful. And he said, I'm not only regretting that I took life, but I robbed generations that could have descended from those I killed. He said, I've written letters of repentance to every person I can think of that I've done harm to or that was affected by what I did. And the spiritual atmosphere in the courtroom was so different. After all, after that hearing, one of the court officers came up to Antonio and me and he said, the man who spoke today, speaking of Wayne, is not the same man who was here before. He has changed. He is different. 
And the court officer thanked us for ministering to him. Now, the reason I tell you this is because it's hard to go and to minister to people on death row, to people who are guilty of such crimes. But you know, Yeshua was bold. Yeshua had courage. Yeshua didn't think about, is it hard or not hard? He was thinking about one thing. He's willing to bring good news to the guilty. Do you see that? To the guilty, to the unclean. He wants to transform them. He's not trying to condemn. He's trying to get people out of condemnation. And in the kingdom of Messiah, the way you get out is through faith, through repentance, through receiving forgiveness, through being transformed, being renewed by the work of Messiah who makes atonement for you and pours out his Holy Spirit upon you and makes you into a new creation, which gives sense to the comment that the court officer made. That's a different man. Why different? Because he's being made new from the inside. So everyone who's been participating in this ministry, Karen Gray, your letters have made a big difference for him. Those of you who have um, prayed for him, Antonio and, and Joseph, who continue, as do others, in going into this prison ministry, each of you has a share in the redemption. The Lord looks and says, thank you. Thank you for serving me this way. Now the reason, the reason Yeshua presents us this picture of the unclean is so that you and I will understand we're called to go to the unclean and not to quarantine them, not to hide from them. We're called to bring the power of God to people who have even a mustard seed of faith. They don't have to be completely transformed. But when they have a heart, when they have a heart, even a little bit for freedom, God can work with that. And sometimes the only way God works for for people who are under demonic influence is somebody who cares about them, who has faith, brings them to the Lord. That was one of the cases. You see this chapter eight, are all sorts of different cases so that you can understand God can work this way, he can work that way. He can work with the one leper who comes on his own. He can work with all the family members who bring their troubled uh, family members to the Lord. He can work with the one who's sick and the two who are demonized and terrorizing. God is able to work in all those cases. All that's in the scriptures so that you and I can understand and make sense out of the craziness of the world we've been sent into. Do you ever think the people around you are just crazy? Do you ever think the situation around you is just crazy? It is, it's broken, and God wants you to be able to minister healing to those who are broken. That's it. That's what he wants you to do. And as you're getting ready for Passover, remember this. The breakthrough is not just for you. It's for everyone around you 
that God has put on your heart. So I wanna pray for everyone who wants power for Passover. If you wanna be used by God for deliverance, for healing, for renewal, not only in your life, but in the life of others, just wave at me or stand up or say, yes, Lord, that's me. And I'm gonna pray, Lord, pour out your spirit now on these who want to be used in power to bring healing, who want to be used in power to bring deliverance. Open up our hearts, open up our minds that we would have the heart of Messiah regarding the unclean and that we could do the work of ministry according to Yeshua's pattern. We pray this in Yeshua's name, amen, amen. I'm glad you're standing. We're gonna close with Aaron's blessing. If you're by yourself, move around a little bit so that you're with others and not by, not all alone. There's Brian. Hey, Brian, I heard so many people say you had an excellent word last weekend. Thank you so much. We can applaud for Brian, yeah. Thank you. Someone said to me, Brian is a great motivational speaker. The Lord bless you and keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.